The scripture this morning is from the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verses 17 through 24. Now this I affirm and assist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. Surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together, Faith. Oh God, as we have heard your word read for us, may it also read us just as clearly. Speak to us today, oh God. In our places of despair, in our places of desperation, in our places of pain, as well as our places of joy and pleasure and appreciation, oh God, speak to us. Make us yours this day through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, for all of you who are joining us on the live stream and everybody here in the sanctuary, it is good to see you on this beautiful fall day. God has given us a great blessing. I stepped outside the office door this morning and saw several of our confirmands gathered in the parking lot. I thought, yes, uh, September is a good, good time to do that. So we're getting started with confirmation this week. I want to ask you a question just to begin with a moment of reflection. Do you remember, Faith, the last time you felt close to God? Assured that you were held in the comforting embrace of the one who made you and loves you. Can you, can you call to mind where you were? If anyone was with you? What experience it was that, that brought to your mind that place of peace with God? That's where we're headed today, friends, because the title of this sermon is Finding Freedom. And that place that I just described for you, that is freedom. So whether you are still in that moment, and if you are, you can give a little whoop, because that's good, right? It's good to be in that place. Or whether that moment seems to you an eternity ago. Or whether you've never known a moment like that. Wherever you are this morning, Faith, what I want you to know is that God's desire for you is to feel that moment I just described for you as often as possible. Do you believe that? Thank you. God's deepest desire for you is to have that moment of, 
This is good. Richly, richly good. Now, for those of you who've been living the spiritual life for, for a while, what you know is that as much as God desires for you to be there as often as possible, the spiritual life also includes ebbs and flows. What, what St. Ignatius would describe as consolation, that sense of being completely at one with God, and then also desolation, the sense of where in the world is God. And we alternate between those two poles throughout the spiritual life, and we don't get to stay on the mountaintop with God forever, right? But even when we are in the valley, I want you to know this, it's not because God wants it to be so. Okay, so we have natural movement in the spiritual life in between consolation and desolation, but it's not because God wants it to be that way. So this sermon series that I'm offering you have for the last two weeks and will through the end of September in the right order, it's really about finding that closeness with God as often as we can. And understanding what it is that makes it most likely that we'll feel that. Because Maya Angelou says, when we know better, we do better. Amen? So it's important, right? That we spend some time trying to know better how we live a faithful spiritual life. So I titled this sermon series, In the Right Order, because what I have come to believe, especially over the last year, it's deepened within me, is that sequence matters in the spiritual life. It's not just knowing the steps of the spiritual life. It's getting them in the right order. So we're going to show you the picture of the newsprint. And I'm going to walk you through this really quickly. Know that we have to start at the top. First, we must know God's goodness and trust that it is true. We must know that we know that we know God is good. And we can trust that. That was our focus last week. And we said anytime we get off track in the spiritual life, we must go back to step number one. If we are not where we want to go back, where we want to be with God, we go back to the place of God's goodness and grace. And last week I told you, grace matters most. Many things matter in the spiritual life, but grace matters most. So that then, after we are assured that God is good, then we can surrender our will so that God's will can direct our life. And from that place of surrender then we find forgiveness and reconciliation with God that we can then begin to live out the grace that has been extended to us. Sequence matters, friends. It's important that we get it in the right order. So when we find that, here's what I want you to know, that is freedom. Oh, freedom. So here's your first hashtag for the day. Freedom is the goal. When you wonder what it is that you live the spiritual life for, what it is that you sell out to Jesus for, it's for freedom. That is the goal of the spiritual life. A relationship with God that is so real, so vital, that it moves you to a place of, as the scripture says, renewed minds and spirits. And when you find that place, do you know what you find? Freedom. And it's good. It's really, really good. So now we ask the question, what gets in the way, right? My Angelou says, when we know better, we do better. So let's know better. Let's look at what are those obstacles? What gets in the way, really? The writer of Ephesians puts it like this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. All right. So, so we know 
that when we go back to our former way of life, that's really the writer in this particular context is calling to their mind the way that they used to live before they knew Jesus, okay? When they were Gentiles, when they haven't been grafted into that covenant uh, through Jesus Christ. And, and their experience would have been that that was a futile way to live. So that the writer of Ephesians is saying, don't go back to your former way of life. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live. It's another way of saying you are not who you once were. So don't buy that lie. That's not the truth about you anymore. The writer uses this recollection of who they once were to paint that painful picture of when we go back to our former way of life, what that does to us. And here are some of the words that the writer of Ephesians uses for us. Darkened understanding, alienated from God, hard hearts, futility, giving up, saying, ah, it's not worth it. Letting our selfish desires be in charge. That's how the writer's saying, remember, that's who you used to be, but that's not who you are anymore. Well, what I would offer to you, friends, and if you heard last week's sermon, I'm going to go back to a concept that I mentioned there. That former way of life, darkened understanding, alienated hearts, alienated from God, futility, giving up, letting our selfish desires be in charge. That's what happens when the obstacle of sin is operating in our life. And last week I defined sin in terms of its biblical meaning. In the language of the Old Testament, in, in Hebrew, the word sin means to stray from the path. That God has a path laid out for us, but sometimes we stray. In the Greek, the language of the New Testament, what sin means is to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So it brings to mind this idea of aim and how important aim is because once the arrow leaves the bow, you can't do anything about it. Friends, it's, it's about moving from the behavior, from the outcome to the actual intent upon our hearts. That's, that's where the corrective action has to take place. But what I want you to know, friends, is that bad aim in our life, in the spiritual life, has long-term effects. And when we allow that to operate unexamined and unchecked, it's like a chronic situation that can sometimes get really bad in our lives. So here's your second hashtag for the day, long-term effects of allowing sin to operate in our hearts unexamined and unchecked. Using the text in this morning, let's go ahead and get out our magnifying glasses for our hearts. You ready? Just pull that out of your pocket. Uh, did anybody else, when you were a kid, get your magnifying glass out and use the uh, way that it focuses the sun's rays to do things that were not helpful? <laughs> I won't go into all the things that I did with that, all right? Magnifying glasses are powerful, aren't they? They're going to reveal something very important to us this morning. So imagine the text as our magnifying glass. We're going to pull out and we're going to take a close look at the chronic conditions that happen in our lives when we allow sin to continue and operate unexamined and unchecked. Dullness and numbness. It's an inability to feel either joy or pain. It's just kind of flat. Obstinance. The scripture calls it the hardness of heart. But I imagine it's kind of that protective coating that keeps us in place, that keeps us from doing anything to say, nope, 
This is where I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything any different. Fatigue. Being too tired to care. Just worn out by despair. Repeat offending. Making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Every time saying, I'm not going to do that again. And guess what? You do. See, that's, that's that long-term effect of bad aim in the spiritual life. The writer of the text speaks clearly to this in verse 20, if you're following along in uh, the passage. The writer says, that is not the way you learned Christ. Kind of reminds me of a parent saying, you know better than that. Right? That's not how I raised you. Is calling to mind this, you know, this is who you were before, but it's not who you are now. You don't have to buy that lie, friends. Feels like someone trying to wake you up. Has anybody tried to jolt you from slumber lately? You know, that feeling kind of like, whoa, uh, uh. And then, then you snap kind of to awareness there. And so the, the writer of Ephesians is trying to sort of give that jolt, like, wake up, sleeper. Pay attention to what's happening in your spiritual life because it matters. It matters so much to jolt us from sleep to awareness to know that God has so much more for you than that. Friends, pay careful attention to that moment though, that moment of waking up, that moment of moving from kind of just moving along to, uh uh-oh, I see really now what's happening because in that moment, It has the power to lead us to surrender. Which is a very important step in the spiritual life. That moment of coming awake. Of becoming aware of what sin is doing to us in our lives. Allows us to trust God. We can safely be honest about the effects of sin in our life. And then... We see how much we need healing. And we say, you know what? I don't have to live this way anymore. I can stop the charade. I can let down my guard. I can finally receive what God wants to give me. So, here's your third hashtag. Let's be honest. Right? Let's, let's let down the charade. I don't know how you all feel about masks. I'm sure there's a wide variety of opinions but one of the things that is so hard for me is I can't see your expression behind the mask. I want you to think of this, this moment that I'm explaining for you right now in the spiritual life as taking off your mask so that we can see your full face and that it's safe for you to do so, to be fully revealed in front of God Almighty. It's freedom. It's freedom to be honest and vulnerable with God. It's freedom to admit where we most need God to cover our inadequacies. And it's freedom to accept ourselves as we really are. I have amazing parts about me. Parts that amaze even me. And then there are parts of me, friends, that terrify me. That when they come out, I'm like, whoa, that must have been in there. Nobody made me do it, but that's harsh. That's all me. It's, it's all in there. But when I can be honest and vulnerable with God, what I realize is that only God has the capability to draw out the better parts of me. And that is grace. 
in that moment, I can let go of control and trust God to smooth out those rough places and lift up the beautiful places so they shine. That's what surrender does for us, friends. It gives us a freedom to trust God to make us who God knows we can be. And freedom is the only way we're going to be able to receive God's forgiveness legitimately. Okay? Not because we have to, not because we're obligated to, not because somebody else told us to, but because we want it. We understand that we need it. So here we are now, standing in front of probably the biggest obstacle in the spiritual life, forgiveness. All right, we've moved from step two. We're now looking at step three. And we often think that offering forgiveness is the obstacle. When I talk with you, when you fill out your sermon response surveys, when you tell me what is the thing that you just can't get past, you'll say, I just can't forgive. I've tried and tried and tried and I just can't forgive. And so you think, and we all think, that forgiveness is one of the biggest obstacles in the spiritual life, being able to offer that. But what I'm here to tell you is you cannot give what you have not received. The reason that we struggle to offer forgiveness is because we aren't ready to admit that we need it. So here's your fourth and final hashtag for the day, forgiveness trap. There are two traps in order to receive forgiveness. And we usually will fall into one or the other of them. The first trap is thinking we are something. And the second trap is thinking we are nothing. And both of them are traps. Whether your trap is thinking, you know what, <laughs> I got this thing figured out. Hence, everyone else does not. So you can feel pretty good about that. That's a trap. And so is assuming that you are hopelessly wrong and will never get it right. That's a trap too. And it, both of them keep you from receiving forgiveness that God wants to give you. That's God's desire is to give that to you. And here's the thing, if you haven't received God's forgiveness in your own life, you are not free to offer that to anyone else. Your forgiveness will always have conditions. It will always be hard for you to offer it to someone else because you've not truly received it for yourself. So, here's kind of how this lays out, why it's important to get it in the right order. First, we have to know God's goodness and trust that it is true. You have to know that you know that you know God is good and I can trust God because you will not truly surrender to anything that you think is not for your good. You might be forced to surrender to something you think is not for your good, but you will not willingly surrender to anything that you think is not for your good. So first we have to know God's goodness and trust that it is true so we can surrender and trust that God's got it. Because surrender makes space for honesty. And when we are honest, then we can recognize our need for forgiveness. And when we receive forgiveness, then we can offer it to others. So getting those steps in the right order really does matter. So I'm going to offer you those four hashtags as a way of summarizing. And I want to give you a question of reflection for each of those. I think these are important questions for you to consider this week. Question number one, when have you known true freedom and closeness in your relationship with God? Because, friends, freedom is the goal. And so if you reflect on that question, you think, I'm not sure I've ever known that. Well, that lets you know where you need to start. 
Start at step one. Trusting God's goodness and knowing that it is true. Question number two. What chronic conditions of the heart does sin create in your life? Are dullness and numbness your reality right now? Are you experiencing fatigue, just being too tired to care? Are you obstinate? You have a hardness of heart, a protective coating? Are you in that cycle of repeat offending and can't seem to change it? Friends, God doesn't intend for you to live that way. Those are the long-term effects of sin in our life. Question number three, can you fully trust God to heal you? If you can be honest about that, then yes, I think you can fully trust God to heal you. So let's be honest. And finally, question number four, which is the trap that gets you? Thinking you are something or thinking you are nothing? Forgiveness trap. Either one. It'll keep you from receiving the forgiveness that God intends to give to you. So I want to close this morning with the image that is given to us in the text. This is such a beautiful text because it moves from where we were in our former way of life to wake us up so that we can enjoy the way of life that God has for us. And this is how the author puts it. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust. Friends, you don't have to live that way any longer. And to be renewed. Isn't that a beautiful word? Renewed in the spirit of your minds. But it's not something that just happens up here. Notice what else the scripture says. And to clothe yourselves. To actually change your clothes. To look different. To clothe yourselves with a new self. Created according to the likeness of God. And true righteousness and holiness. That is where we're headed. Amen. So I want to tell you this morning. Friends we will get there. We will. And when we do. The beauty of who God made us to be. It's going to knock our socks off. Amen.